Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Look at what's happening here. This is blowing everybody's minds. Now, they knew, theoretically at least, they knew that the gospel was for everybody, but, but they had these ideas about how people were going to, you know, get connected with Jesus. And apparently what they thought is that Judaism was going to be the, the avenue through which people would connect. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Acts. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Acts, chapter 10, verses 1 through 20, and chapter 11, verse 18, in a message titled, The Gospel is for Everyone. Now, here's Pastor Brian. All right, so here we are in the book of Acts. And as, as we're studying through Acts, remember, we're, we're um, not so concerned to look at every, every single verse necessarily or to go into detail on every story or event. We wanna, we're trying to really follow the path of the Spirit, the Spirit, the church, and the world, how the Spirit was using the church, raised up the church and using the church in the world. And so in our previous study, we, we looked at the conversion of Saul. We saw how this radical persecutor, this, this enemy of the faith who had cast his vote against Christians, who had imprisoned them and, and uh, put them to death, how, how the Lord just stopped him in his tracks and basically turned him around and how he became the great apostle Paul. So after the, the record of his conversion, Luke tells us a little bit more about what happened in the following months and years. And we left off the story with Saul going back to Tarsus, where he was originally from. And that's where he is now, as we pick up the story. And Luke now, he turns his focus back to Peter. So Peter has featured really strongly in Luke's account but he was out of the picture for a bit. So, but, but now the focus is back on Peter. So Peter, uh, Luke tells us about his, his ministry. Peter was going up and down the countries, up into the Galilee area where he was originally from, ministering in Jerusalem. And if we picked up the story at the middle part of chapter nine, Peter goes to the area of Lydda and to Joppa. And those geographical locations are what, we would know today as modern-day Tel Aviv. So that's where Peter was spending time. In the, the city of Lydda, there was a man named Aeneas who was, he was a paralytic. He had been in that condition for eight years, and the Lord used Peter to heal him. Peter pronounced him healed in the name of Jesus. He was healed, and, and this, of course, the, the word began to spread about this, and it says, many in Lydda turned to the Lord. And from there, Peter uh, went to Joppa. It was nearby. Joppa is actually on the right, directly on the coast. And so Peter went there to Joppa. And there was a woman named Tabitha who was uh, a tremendous blessing in the church. Her Greek name was Dorcas. And she had died. Apparently, she was a young lady. And, you know, she had suddenly fallen ill and died. And uh, the saints were grieving. They heard that Peter was in the region. So they called for him. Peter came 
prayed over Tabitha. She was raised from the dead. And of course, this sent all kinds of excitement throughout the community. And again, many people turned to the Lord in Joppa. And so Peter remained in Joppa for a period of time with this Simon, who is the tanner. And a tanner was a person who worked with animal hides. So working with animal hides was forbidden in, in a sense, uh, by the law, you, you became unclean, ceremonially unclean if you worked with animal hides. And, and so Peter's staying with this man, Simon the Tanner. So this shows us that Peter is, he's going through this transition. He's being freed up from a lot of the things that he would have previously been bound up in as a Jew. So now in Christ, he's starting to understand that there's all of this you know, freedom from a lot of the, the bondage that, that they were in it as, as Jews. So while he's there in the house of, of Simon the Tanner, this is where we pick up the story, where in Caesarea, 30 miles north, there's this centurion, this man named Cornelius. Cornelius is a Roman centurion. He's uh, of the Italian regiment. Caesarea is the that was the, the seat of Roman authority for the province. That's where the governor lived. That's where Pontius Pilate actually would live there in Caesarea and the other governor. So he was there and he's a devout man as we read. He's a Gentile, but he is attracted to the God of Israel. And so as he's spending time in prayer, as we read the story here, the angel appears to him, tells him that he's to send for this man, Peter, who's in the house of Simon the Tanner in Joppa. We read the story there. He sends these men. While this is happening, Peter is there in the house of Simon the Tanner. And as we read here in the story, he, he has this, um, this interesting vision as he's waiting for his dinner, falls into a trance, and he sees this sheet coming down with these different animals, four-footed beasts, creeping things, clean and unclean animals. A voice says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Not so, Lord. I've, I've never eaten anything common or unclean. And the Lord responds, do not call common or unclean that which I have cleansed. This happens three times. Peter doesn't really know what's going on. But right about the time that the, the vision passes, there's a knock at the door. And it's these men that have been sent from Caesarea from Cornelius. So Peter puts it all together and realizes God is doing something here. So that, that brings us to verse 20, where we read the Lord speaking, arise, therefore, go down, go with them, doubting nothing. And these words, for I have sent them. So something radical is about to happen. The, the gospel is about to go across the final border, in a sense. So they've gone out from Jerusalem and around Judea, but then they crossed over into Samaria. But as we talked about the Samaritans, remember, they were, they were kind of partially Jewish. So it wasn't a, a full transition. They weren't really considered Gentiles. We looked at the, the Ethiopian eunuch, and we saw that he was possibly either a, a Jew himself or at least a convert to Judaism. But now with Cornelius, we have a man who is, he is a Gentile. He is a full-blown, he's of the Italian regiment. So he, he's not at all Jewish. And so what's happening here is that final border is about to be crossed. 
and the gospel is about to go to the Gentiles. And Peter, just like he was the one on the day of Pentecost to, to preach the gospel there in Jerusalem, just like he was the one to kind of confirm what happened in Samaria, now God is going to use Peter to be the person to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. So I, I want to pick up in verse 21, and I, and I want to just kind of, I want to take us through the, the 18th verse of chapter 11, actually, because that's where the story kind of comes to a conclusion. So the Lord says to him, you know, arise, go with these men, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, yes, I'm, I'm the one that you're seeking. For what reason have you come? And then they told him about Cornelius. They told him that he's, he's, a, he's a just man. He fears God. Uh, he has a good reputation among the nation of the Jews. And, and that he was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon for Peter to come. So then verse 23 says that he invited them in and lodged them. And then on the next day, Peter went with them and some brethren. Chapter 11 tells us there were six others. And they left from Joppa to go 30 miles north to Caesarea. And so the following day, they entered Caesarea. And Cornelius was waiting for them. And he had called together his relatives and close friends. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up. I myself am also a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to them, so Peter is speaking, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. And therefore I came Without objection, Cornelius again repeats the story four days ago. Uh, I was fasting until this hour, tells him about how the angel came and summoned him. And so verse 33, uh, I sent to you immediately and you have done well that you have come. Now, therefore, this is Cornelius, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. And so Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. That is a revolutionary revelation that Peter had right there. We'll talk about that more in detail in a moment. So Peter goes on. He realizes now in every nation, whoever fears God and works righteousness is accepted by him. And then in uh, verse 36, Peter launches into the message about Jesus. And he he says, um, the word which God sent to the children of Israel, speaking the word through Christ, he says, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. Verse 37, he says, that word, you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea began and began from Jerusalem after the baptism, uh, which John preached. So Peter says to them, as he begins his message, he says, you know, all of this stuff. You've heard all of this shows you how widespread the message of the gospel was at the time. And he goes on how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses of all these things, which he did both in the land of the Jews, which would be the, throughout the country, and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree, him God raised on the third day 
and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, those Jews uh, who believed, they were astonished. As many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And Peter answered, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And so they asked that he would stay a few days. Now, the apostles and brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision, so those, those leaders in Jerusalem of the church, they contended with him. And they said, you went into uncircumcised men and ate with them? But Peter explained it to them in order from the beginning saying, I was in the city of Joppa. He tells them the whole story about the vision that he had, about the men that came sent from Cornelius and um, then in verse 15, let's pick up. He says, and as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. Then I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could withstand God? And when they heard these things, they became silent. They glorified God, saying, then God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. So look at what's happening here. This, this is blowing everybody's minds. Now, they knew, theoretically at least, they knew that the gospel was for everybody. But, but they had these ideas about how people were going to you know, get connected with Jesus and apparently what they thought is that Judaism was going to be the, the avenue through which people would connect. They, they apparently thought that the Gentiles, because Jesus spoke of the Gentiles, the prophets spoke of the Gentiles. So they, so they would have had some idea that at some point the Gentiles were going to be brought in. But apparently what they thought is that the Gentiles would become Jews in order to become Christians. And what has happened here is God is revealing to Peter, no, that is not the plan. The Gentiles are going to come in directly. They're not going to come in indirectly through another avenue. They're going to come straight in and connect with me through the gospel. So this, this is all revolutionary. Now, a few things I want to point out. So the time has obviously come for the gospel to cross this boundary and Peter, as I said, you know, God's already used him in a very significant way. So he's going to be the instrument. But Peter, at this point, even he needs further preparation. Think about that. This guy was with Jesus for the three years of his public ministry. Jesus has died, gone to the cross. 
uh, risen from the dead, ascended back to heaven. Peter's functioning in ministry. He's preaching the gospel. People are getting healed. People are getting raised from the dead. But he still has wrong ideas. That's the thing that I find interesting. Um, he still, at this point, doesn't get exactly what's going to happen. And so he needs to have further instruction. This vision of the, the sheet that's coming down and the animals, this is God's way of further educating Peter for the work that he has for him in the future. Now, uh, Cornelius was, as we pointed out, he was a centurion. Uh, centurions, um, there are several references to centurions in the New Testament. They're, they're always actually painted in a very good light. They're always noble kind of men. And um, Cornelius was no exception. Cornelius was what the Jews would call a God-fearer. A God-fearer, meaning this, that he was a Gentile who had put faith in the God of Israel, but he had not been a proselyte. He had not become a convert to Judaism. So the Jews recognized that there were certain Gentiles that didn't want to take the full step into Judaism, going through circumcision and all of that. And so they, they kind of just recognized this category of God-fearers. And that's what uh, Cornelius would have been in. He would have been in that category of a God-fearer. But even in that category, he still would have been ostracized by many of the Jews, even though some might have appreciated the fact that he was a God-fearer. They weren't going to invite him over for dinner. They weren't going to really rub elbows with him because the prejudice that existed, and it, it, it went both ways, but the prejudice that existed among the Jews toward the Gentiles was very, very deep. And it was so contrary to what God's original plan was. And, and you see that even Peter at this stage, you see that he's still lugging that baggage around with him. And we see it come out in verse 28 when he says to them, as they're inviting him to come in, he says, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go to one of another nation. Now, this is important just for us to know. Unlawful, it was not unlawful according to God's word. It was unlawful according to the tradition of the time. So there's no place in God's law where God said, you can't have any association with Gentiles. As a matter of fact, God was wanting to use the nation of Israel to reach the Gentile nations. That was his plan. But what happened, tragically, is Israel... They twisted the doctrine of election into one of favoritism. So instead of realizing that God chose them to be his special people so that they could introduce the other nations to the true God, they thought that God preferred or favored them over everybody else. And so this led to them developing a racial pride and a hatred toward the Gentiles. And amongst the leaders, amongst the the those that would declare the laws and so forth, the traditions. They would even say things like uh, the Gentiles. They referred to them as dogs. And they were, they were to be kept uh, uh, as far 
apart from the Jews as possible as far as they were concerned. So at that time, no Orthodox Jew would ever enter the home of a Gentile, even a God-fearer. And so this then is, this is the entrenched prejudice that had to be overcome before Gentiles could be admitted into the Christian community on equal terms with the Jews. So a lot of work still needed to be done. This prejudice had to be overcome because God's intention was that the church would be a multiracial, multicultural society. That there would be no one people group that was preferred over the other. And so when Peter, when he finally puts everything together, when he connects all of the dots about the sheet, do not call that common or unclean that I have cleansed. He hears the story of Cornelius and the angel visiting him and saying, send for Peter. When he finally connects all of those dots, verse 34, Peter opened his mouth and he said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. That was a revolutionary revelation for Peter. He was the only Jew in the world that thought that at that time. Nobody thought that. They were still under that excess cultural baggage of thinking that somehow the Jews were in a superior position to the Gentiles. And so Peter now, he has this revelation, and this enables him now to just cross the boundary and to recognize that, that God is leading him to do that with the Gentiles. So with these words right here, when Peter says, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. With these words, Peter swept away centuries of racial prejudice. Peter right there says that is over. That was wrong. And he, at that point, everything became clear for him. And so God made it clear to Peter through his own vision and the testimony of Cornelius that he had no favorites as between one nation and another or one race and another, but any person who feared him and acted rightly was accepted by him no matter what nation they belonged to. So what Peter essentially said was, God's attitude to people is not determined by any external criteria, such as their appearance, race, nationality, or class. Instead, and positively, God accepts people from every nation who fear him and do what is right. So this is the explosion that's taking place right here. Join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource. So one of my favorite books over the past couple years was a book called Confronting Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin. Fantastic book. Well, she has made sort of a children's version of the book. It's called 10 Questions Every Teen 
should ask and answer about Christianity. She did such an amazing job with the Confronting Christianity book. It was actually the book of the year. I know that this one is excellent as well. So I want to encourage you, especially if you have teenage children, to pick it up for them, read it along with them. If you are a school teacher, you interact with young people and you want to know how to help them, this will be a tremendous resource. So 10 questions every teen should ask and answer about Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin, my recommendation for this month. Again, this month's resource is a book titled 10 Questions Every Teen Should Ask and Answer About Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin. You can order the book 10 Questions Every Teen Should Ask and Answer About Christianity by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book 10 Questions Every Teen Should Ask and Answer About Christianity by Rebecca McLaughlin to help you equip the next generation to wrestle with the challenges raised against Christianity. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Acts. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.